In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of becoming a person of peace. This conversation was originally recorded in November of 2021. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. I welcome all of you. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here. Um, today, I, I want to sh- start a conversation that uh, that is going to go on for a few weeks. Uh, I don't know what the end will look like, but uh, this is something that's really uh, that's really deep within me, and I'm really passionate about. And it it's. So the, the topic is becoming a person of peace. I see many of you are looking at the link and getting it. So go ahead and get that. So let me, let me introduce the topic with this idea. So in, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I, I will do a talk on this. Uh, and, and there's a session in faith walking about this, that there's a big difference between being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker. And that there's a big difference between being a peacemaker and a troublemaker, even though sometimes peacemakers look like troublemakers. And so I, I'm, that's not my deal today. But uh, we also we we talked a little bit, I think, last week. But we've been talking a little bit about self differentiation and how do how do I define myself? Stay connected with others. Um, and yet believe what I believe and be passionate about what I believe. And so I, I, I want to just pose this question and I, I know what the answer is and I know what your answer is, but I still want to pose the question. Was Jesus really a peacemaker? He said, blessed are the peacemakers. There's a difference between peacekeepers. So Jesus was not a peacekeeper. Was Jesus a troublemaker? Was Jesus, uh, so here's what I have in mind. When Jesus turned over the tables in the temple, was Jesus a peacemaker? When Jesus called the scribes and Pharisees hypocrites and whitewashed tombs, was Jesus a peacemaker? So you can think about that. Here's what I believe. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Yes, Jesus was a peacemaker even though he appeared to be a troublemaker, okay? So that led me and, and uh, where, where I'm beginning. So I'm going back and I'm doing kind of a fresh study on peace. You remember that peace comes from the Old Testament word shalom. And that Old Testament word shalom uh, carries really a broader idea than just peace. It means restoring wholeness. Uh, it means to be unbroken and undivided and inclusive. So I, I want to emphasize that shalom is about being inclusive. There is no shalom when we are exclusive. Shalom is about health and well-being for everybody. Not just for me 
and not just for people that believe like me and not just for people that look like me, but there's health and well-being for everyone. I believe that that is God's design and that is God's heart. I want to acknowledge, group, that right in the beginning, I may say something that makes some of you anxious. And I, I want to acknowledge that that might happen, okay? Um, I, I realize we live in a world that's highly polarized and that is highly reactive to anxiety. And I just want to be honest and say, so what you're going to hear is what I believe. And I believe this deeply and I'm passionate about it. So it's going to come out with some passion. Um, I believe that a lot of the polarization that we're experiencing in the world, in our own country, is because we do not understand peace. We do not understand God's call to peace. We do not understand God's call to wholeness. So I started with a Bible study. Uh, I know many of you love Bible study, and our Bible study today is Psalm 37. And so I want to encourage you uh, during your own time, find a really good translation and, uh, and go and, um, and read and, and spend some time in reflection on Psalm 37. I really enjoy these days the voice translation, which is a newer translation. And so most of my comments and the words I'm choosing come from the voice translation. Okay. But you can read it out of any translation. I'm not going to read the text today because it would just take too long. But I want to invite you to spend some time reading it. But in the text, uh, there, there, I find four things that we need to stop doing if we're going to be people of peace. So again, my title is Becoming a Person of Peace, Becoming a Peacemaker. And these four things are going to be challenging. The first thing is don't rage. Turn away from anger. Uh, Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and sin not. Often, I believe there, there are many of us that want justice in the world, and we get angry at the injustice. We get angry at the lack of peace. I get angry at the lack of peace. I get angry at, at division and uh, and exclusivism. I get angry about that, but the, the text tells us, turn away from that anger. Okay. Don't let, so I think it's, don't let that anger control you. Yeah. So I think as we learn to differentiate ourselves, we learn to manage our own anxiety and we learn to manage our own reactivity and Part of our reactivity is reacting with conflict because of our anger at maybe even a worthwhile thing to be angry at, injustice. When Jesus overthrew the, the, the tables in the temple, there's two things. I do not believe Jesus was out of control. He wasn't raging. I believe he was angry. And I believe he took a stand 
clearly against the injustice, but, but I don't think he was raging, if you will. So that's the first thing. Second thing in, in Psalm 37 that we find is, don't worry. Don't worry. Here's what I want to say to you. You ready? You sure? Don't worry. What, what would it look like, group, if, if, we just, if we just trusted? So the idea is I trust God more. This is what I believe, and I find it true in myself. And hear me, I, I am speaking to Ken Schumann as much as anybody today. Because I get full of anxiety. What's going to happen? And the scripture says, don't worry. Well, wait, there's so much division and there's so much polarization and there's so much angst and there's so much reactivity. I've got plenty to be anxious about. And the scripture says, what's the scripture say? Somebody tell me. Somebody unmute and tell me what the scripture says. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, so, so trust God enough and manage your anxiety. And, and folks, I know it's simple, and yet I know how hard that is. But imagine with me if you, if you, had, if you were able to have less anxiety. If we really did believe that God was in charge and that God was going to take care of things. It seems like a lot of Christian people trust God enough to get them out of hell and into heaven, but they don't trust God enough to take care of my well-being in the world. And so we get anxious. And the scripture reminds us over and over and over again, give up anxiety, give up fear, trust God. And the more you can do that, the more calm you will be. And maybe you won't rage as much. And maybe you won't fret as much. Third thing, on the don't list. By the way, we've got a do list also, but we're on the don'ts now. Don't list, number three, don't covet. Well, that's a nice biblical word. What the world does it mean? I want to remind you that in Exodus 20, verse 17, one of the big ten, one of the big ten, commandments is don't covet. So covet, to covet is to have an inordinate desire for more money and more possessions. And I'm convinced, folks, that it is our covetousness that leads us to want to protect what we have and to get more than what we have and to worry about my things and my stuff. And so you know what? I, there's not enough for, to go around for everybody. So I've got to take care of mine. And it's covetousness that leads to the oppression of other people. Well, we can't allow other people in because there's not enough. And so we're anxious and we're angry because we're covetous. What if we really trusted God to provide. You see, the bottom line is, again, we don't really trust God to provide. 
we think we've got to provide and we've got to protect. And number four, I, I know, gang, I'm, I'm, it's stirring in me today, and I don't, I, I don't want to come across like I'm angry. I'm not angry, but I am passionate, okay? And, and this is a big one, and here's where I might offend. And I just want to apologize in advance. I don't mean to, but this is what I believe. And I believe the scripture teaches us this. Don't trust in nations. Because nations come and nations go. Nations are not where we get our security. Unfortunately, we believe it is. You, you remember the Old Testament passage, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in smart bombs and some trust in drones and drone attacks and some trust in missiles but we will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. I've got a couple of quotes in here. They, these are not original with me. I borrowed these from my, my, uh, my uh, inspiration, Walter Brueggemann. Uh, but, but Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote a little poem. Our little systems have their day. They have their day and they cease to be. They are but broken lights of thee. O thou, and thou, O Lord, art more than they. What I want to offer to you folks is I see a lot of the reactivity and anxiety today about, well, uh, especially uh, ladies from the UK, uh, this especially true in the US, and it's probably true in the UK, but many people are, are, are all anxious and angry about what's going to happen to our country. Our country is going to blow up. Our country is going to fall apart. I love my country. I love living here. I love the freedoms of it. I, I love us. But here's the deal. My trust is not in my country. And I, so our, our country can have the greatest army that's ever been assembled. And at one time, we probably did. Whether we do now or not, I'm not sure. But that's still doesn't prevent us from falling apart. What happens if, if, if the United States of America ceases to exist? What happens if my country is no longer one of the leaders? Well, I'm still trusting in God. Right? So, I, I'm, again, I'm preaching to myself. The security that I have in, in the strength of my nation Psalm 37, way back in Old Testament times, the scripture teaches us don't trust in nations. Trust in God instead. So that's the don't list. Yuck, bad. Get rid of that. I'm, I'm ready to turn the page. Are you ready to turn the page, Kimberly? You ready to turn it? Let's turn it. So what, what's the do list? Do. Here's what I find in, in Psalm 37. Do be still. We need to be still more. We, we need to cease striving. 
We would have more capacity to manage anxiety if we were still more. You feeling me here? You hearing me here? Yeah, be still. Be patient. Oh, but I'm not a good patient person. I'm impatient. I want God to do it now, right? Yeah, be patient and wait on God. Wait on God to do God's thing. And while you're waiting, be generous. Be generous. And be just. Seek justice for everyone. For me, when I, when I use the word justice, it means I, I want everybody in the world to have enough. That's justice. Well-being for everybody, not just for me, not just for my kind, just, not just for people who live in my country. I believe God wants there to be justice for everyone. So, so let, me, let me come back on something. So I want to come back on the other thing. I said it in the notes. Don't trust nations. Don't, don't believe that our nation is the only one important to God. Do you believe that God loves Russians any less than he loves Americans? Do you believe God loves Chinese any less than he loves Americans? Or UKers, Brits? No, I don't believe he does. I believe God. So, so doesn't God want well-being for everybody? So I also believe that God wants us to be just in our relations and make sure everybody gets provided for. That's what peace looks like. So imagine, I, I know this is hard to imagine, but imagine a world where there was wholeness and well-being everywhere, where we all cooperated and worked together rather than fighting and, and looking to destroy one another. Be just. Five, or oh, this hits home, be truthful. Find the truth and share the truth and avoid conspiracy theories. Unfortunately, a lot of the anger and a lot of the anxiety that's produced in our world right now is because we're not sticking with the truth, but we are believing fabrications of the truth. And if we want to be people of peace, we, we have to stick with the truth. We've got to be truthful people. We've got to find the truth. And I realize in, in the days of social media, it's really hard to find the truth. We, so we must be diligent to find the truth. What is true? And what I would say is, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we've got to come to Scripture and understand scripture properly as a beginning place for the truth. And then my favorite topic, but it keeps coming up everywhere I go. And it, it, it is this, and finally, be restful. Practice Sabbath. Why? Because remember what Sabbath really is. Sabbath is about trusting that I have enough, Trusting that there'll be enough tomorrow. Trusting that I've done enough. And that I am enough. 
And so if I Sabbath, it's out of my Sabbath rest that I'm able to not rage and not worry and not covet and not trust nations. So be restful and seek shelter in the God of creation as a habit, as a discipline, as a practice for our lives. All of that is in Psalm 37. And, and it's as if the author of Psalm 37, who we believe is David, uh, had a little had a little telescope into today, 2021, and he, and he said to us, these are the things you need to be about. Those stir me, but what stirs me most, uh, ladies and men, is this idea that I believe God is calling those of us who follow him to be people of peace. And I believe these are ingredients for becoming a person of peace. I want to be a person of peace. And I want to influence others to become people of peace. That's why I believe this so deeply. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, <laughs> I'm teasing. What's that stir up for you? And uh, move us back to um, the material for today. That stir up anything for anybody? The uh, Becoming a person of peace? Anything y'all want to talk about related to that? Um, I'll, I'll share. Um, yeah, Diane. So, so um, it's really interesting that this is coming up because I've been listening to the series um, on courage. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so it, we, it takes, um, it takes courage to uh, be a peacemaker. It takes it courage to, it does. Yeah, it takes courage to, not covet it takes courage all these things and um it's uh really fascinating how it's how that i just love it when god does something with another group and then you come to another group and it's like it's the theme mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um yeah that's because he loves us so much he he, he wants us to get it <laughs> so yeah. yeah courage courage good Thank you, Diane. Good. And as you were talking about that, so yeah, so my list is long. There's there's four don'ts and five do or six do's. So here's what I want to invite you to think about. So which one of those out of that 10, either a do or a don't, is something you would like to say, I would like to get into action around this. So let's let's not try to do all 10. But if there was one thing, which one of these stands out for you as a thing? You know what? I, I really want to focus and work on this one. And I wonder if you'd just tell me what that is. Judith? Yeah. Um, for me, it's, I mean, all of them. Um, but the balancing the don't worry and trusting and I trusting God to take care of our well-being in the world with the do of being just seeking justice for everyone mm -hmm. um, it's easier for me not to worry about what I've got because I'm comfortable most of the time I mean yes we know I've been dealing with anxiety but when it comes to 
every day I've, I've got enough food. I've got a job. I've got health insurance. I have a place to live, Mm -hmm. but there are people that don't. And so trying to figure out where the balance is there um, of not worrying for me, but being conscious to bring justice for others. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I totally get it because I struggle with the exact same thing. (laughs) Yeah. I I was thinking the other day, um, I've been part of a lot of um, racial reconciliation work in the last year or so with through the the Episcopal Church. And one of our sessions finished with a video um, this last Monday that was painful to watch. And I wonder sometimes, why was Judith born me with the privileges that I have? Um, and, and because that's the case, not, not being guilty, not, not putting extra blame on myself, but what does that mean I'm called to do? Because certainly I am privileged in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I wanna see that shared um, to bring others up so that everyone has justice, then what am I going to do? Yeah, I think that's the question. Uh, and, and, and I don't have an answer. I, I hope over the next weeks, we'll explore the, that question more deeply. Yeah. And, and I identify with the question. I'm, I'm biting my tongue, Judith, because I want to come up with an answer that I don't have, and I want to give you one that I don't have. And so, I, you know, I, I, I'm unsettled because I don't have an answer, and I wished I did. That's okay, because if you hadn't a quick answer, I wouldn't be able to believe it. So <laughs> I think it is an area of struggle. Yeah. Go ahead, Laura. Um, I agree with Judith. The one that stuck out to me was about seeking justice. And I think this is not an excuse, but I think I have a tough time with that one because I don't, a lot of times I feel like I don't know how to seek justice. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Judith said, I, I personally have a lot of privilege. Um, I have relationships with some people who don't, but in the past, unfortunately, it seems like when I've tried to get more involved in seeking justice for marginalized communities, sometimes um, it has not gone over well. Like I think I inadvertently with good intentions have been like attacked for maybe saying the wrong thing or phrasing something wrong or whatever, which um, Mm -hmm. I understand like we're all broken and hurting and then we sometimes lash out at people, but it is pretty discouraging when you're trying to help and then people are upset with you. Um, So I don't know, like, like I said, I, that's not a cop out. Like, I just don't know how, so I don't have to do it. I know I'm not exempt from it, but um, a lot of times I feel like I don't know how to go about seeking justice for all the things that I see in the world that call for justice um, because I can't personally relate to them or um, things like that, if that makes any sense. It does. And, and I get it. And I've experienced the same thing. Sometimes our well-meaning intentions um, for whatever reason, don't, don't work or don't come across well. What I think I think, though, is a beginning place is a growing awareness of injustice and a growing awareness of a call to justice that it seems like many don't have. And, and, and I would say in my own first formation spiritually, this was never talked about. I mean, it just wasn't on the agenda. And so 
I, I'm learning about it. And, and, and so for me, that, that is a beginning place. Just, just the fact that, yeah, God wants everybody to treat, to be treated right and fair. And the scripture also says, I'm fascinated by the verse of scripture over in Deuteronomy, where it says the poor will always be with you. Therefore, and what I expected to say is, therefore, go on about your business and don't worry about the poor because the poor are always going to be, but it doesn't say that. What it says is the poor will always be with you. Therefore, be generous with the poor. So the poor are always going to be here and we're called always to be generous. And, and that's part of our calling. And I guess for me, because of my first formation, in my first formation religiously, uh, it, it really was the, the great emphasis was about how to get souls out of hell and into heaven. And so justice wasn't important because that the issue was, does everybody know how to get to heaven when they die? And yeah, they live in injustice today, but ultimately in the, in the sky by and by when, when they die, everything's going to be good. And, and today, as I read scripture, I read, yeah, but God is interested in the here and now, and God is interested in how we treat one another in the here and now, and therefore justice must be an agenda for me in the here and now today. Uh, so, so that's all part of it, and I'm shutting up. I'm just, I'm processing out loud. I'm sorry. Trish. This um, topic of justice is also really striking deeply within myself. Um, yeah. This is um, really quite pertinent, I suppose. I'm looking at, I'm not sure whether I'm looking at two or three on the don'ts, sort of mixed up with three on the bees, be, be generous. Um, so the other week I went on a college course, an introduction to Christian counselling. And counselling's been on my heart for many, many years. And, um, but I've not done anything about it. And after I had such an amazing week and God connected with me and I connected with God and he spoke to me big, mm. big. Mm. So I've met, I have made a decision because I believe God is calling me to, um, go get qualified to be a professional counselor that's fantastic max yeah and uh, some people might say i'm crazy <laughs> because i'll be 65 in february and um by the time i get my ba i'll be 70 and a half <laughs> but if i have the longevity that my family has shown to have not all members but quite a few i could live into my 90s as long mm -hmm. as i keep marbles you know mm -hmm. but there's, there's there's lots of stuff so going on uh, or was going on with me in that yeah it excites me it inspires me it gives me hope but mm -hmm. then there was that hesitancy because it's a very very costly thing to do mm -hmm. okay so I'm not going to get any funding this is something I have to support now I can support it but I'm taking the money that I had put by for my retirement to do mm. this. Mm. And God had said to me through people and through scripture, don't worry. Mm. You know, 
don't you think that I am going to provide for you? Mm. You know, she says, you know, I provide for the birds of the air, but I not Mm. provide more for you, you know? Mm. And so it's, that's the step of faith. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that, when I qualify, I'll be able to um, hopefully pull back a little bit of that money because it's not money just to have a jolly good time with. It's money to right. really support yourself and right. be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But my heart wants to give to those that cannot afford counselling. There are so, well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, speaking, I'm teaching grandmothers to suck eggs or grandfathers to suck eggs. There's so many broken people. We're all broken. Mm-hmm. But I really want to be able to provide that counselling for others that can't afford it as well. So that comes in with the be generous. Um, so, yeah, I think it touches on every single aspect. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's it, really. It's just like yeah. I'm not putting my money, not to cover it, yeah. not go more, but to yeah. be generous and to and to and and not worry about where the next mm. meal's coming from, you know. Mm. Um, so that's what it stirs up in me: a need to be really generous to people who are broken. Yeah, Mags, thank you for sharing that with us. That's inspirational. Thank you, thank you. I, I am. Ins- I applaud your courage and your <laughs> faith. Thank you. Um. So I read something, I've read it a couple of times now. Mm. I want to acknowledge, I don't know whether this is true or not. <laughs> okay. It's, but, but what I've read is that, that in, in studies, that people in their 60s to 70s is the most productive 10 years of their life. Well, man, I'm going to own that. <laughs> and people from 70 to 80, that's the second most productive decade in their lives no kidding (laughs) so what if that's true what if that's true so the next 15 20 years are going to be the most productive years of your life it is and for me god clearly gave me these words margaret he said this is what redemption looks like for you Mm. because when i was a teenager the education system in the uk is such that at the end of what we call primary school, when you're 11 years old, you take something called an 11 plus. And if you pass it, you can go on to the grammar school, which is 11 to 17, okay? As Mm -hmm. opposed to secondary education, which is slightly lower. Mm. I passed the 11 plus, but I really didn't want to go to the convent. Mm. I really did not and I just badgered my parents I got so upset and there was one girl that really bullied me and she was going to the convent Mm. and so parents were of an ilk that said well you're just going to get married and be provided for anyhow yeah sure they didn't know any better that was what they knew and so they said okay you can go to the secondary school so it Mm. feels to me like the Lord is saying this is what redemption Mm. looks like for you Margaret Mm. Mm. Yeah. I love that God calls you Margaret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful story, Mags. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Always.
really bless beautiful. Bless you. Yeah, this is the new season. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, but we can we can take three or four minutes if any of you want to speak. I love hanging out with y'all. Thanks for hanging out with me. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.